You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Well, he passed for Long. He's got Leopold with him. Long walks in. Sanders. Leopold's a right-hand shot. Rotates and then sends here Long. Back to Leopold. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leavold and Curran, they're both getting in shots. Now Leavold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, Many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Guys, this is episode number 34. This is, of course, Brady Leewold coming at you guys from beautiful Utterson, Ontario. Guys, it's right in the heart of Muskoka, Ontario. Very lucky to be living here. Uh, live in the woods, basically, right, uh, right off the lake. Uh, on the ATV and fishing a lot. Um, really grateful, and uh, I'd be sure to remind myself of this as much as possible. Guys, if you're listening, hopefully you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, you can check them out anywhere on social media at HockeyPodNet or uh, the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Um, guys, they have something like 40 different podcasts, maybe more now. Uh, one for every NHL market. So the NHL is about to fire back up, guys. If you want to stay in the loop, whatever team you cheer for, we have a podcast for you. Uh, also, bonus content like Ice Analytics, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, House of Hockey, which is a female's perspective on hockey. It's a great listen. And then, of course, Tales with TR, a hockey podcast. Uh, my buddy Terry Ryan's podcast. He, of course, was a first-round draft pick to the Montreal Canadiens, and he's pretty uh, candid about his career not panning out. It's really funny, so uh, definitely give him a listen and check them all out, depending on where you live. Um, Definitely check them out. Reminder, at HockeyPodNet. I want to give a shout-out right now to retired NHL defenseman and owner and CEO and president of Verbero Hockey, Andy Sutton. Of course, Andy Sutton joined me on episode 19. 
Uh, Andy is doing remarkable things. Not only is he the owner of Verbero Hockey, he's doing other things. He's got multiple companies that all tie in, and it's really quite amazing. So uh, I think it's three days ago, maybe four, um, I took a sales position with Verbero Hockey, which is really exciting. It's really the first job I've had in almost a decade, probably. So uh, I want to say thanks to Andy. It's, it's going to be a really great fit with everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm trying to do. Uh, as far as getting around and speaking with with uh, different teams, um, I mean, obviously, you know, being able to promote uh, a relatively new brand and it's essentially the Bugatti of hockey without the price tag of uh, the Bugatti uh, label. Um, guys, check it out, verbero.com. If anyone has a team, uh, you know, like a beer league team even, or uh, you have a son or daughter minor hockey uh, maybe you're in charge of ordering their track suits or you have a junior team. Uh, you guys need matching, you know, pants, uh, gloves, helmets. Uh, you guys want to order some sticks. Um, but not only that, guys, we also have full apparel. So anything from track suits, um, zip-ups, quarter zips, polos, uh, undergear, like um, like Under Armour type stuff, guys. It, I mean, this there's... It's unbelievable and fully customizable with your team's logo and colors. It's incredible. So uh, for the team sales, I would really appreciate it if you give me a shot and give Verbero a shot. Um, we have just an amazing catalog. You can contact me directly anywhere on social media, um, Brady Liebold or at Hockey to Heroin. And I'm also um, about to launch a new website, www.hockeytoheroin.com. That, of course, exists already. Um, it's um, it served its purpose. Um, of course, I do all my own editing uh, for the podcast, for my website, for everything. Um, I enjoy doing it. I wish I had more time, and I've been pumping more time into it behind the scenes. Um, and I'm going to be ready probably like 30 hours away from launching. And I've been saying that for a while, but it keeps getting pushed back. But right now, legit, I'm, I'm about 30 hours away from launching it. Uh, and then once I launch it, I'd probably say 100 hours away from getting it to where I want it to be. Um, and then the upkeep's probably going to be about 10 hours a week, but that's okay. Um, uh, it's looking great, and it's going to be a lot more informative, a lot more resources, a lot of stuff about the Puck Support Foundation, um, a little bit, of course, about my story, um, and then, you know, uh, complete bios and all my guests and everything, and then ways to contact me about if you want me to come speak to your team or school or anything like that, so it's great. Um, and uh, things will be a lot more organized once I'm recording in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. Right now, I'm recording in the makeshift Matthew uh, Lashinsky Memorial Studio, which is the spare bedroom at the Devitt family household. Uh, Matthew Lashinsky, guys, is uh, a 19 was a 1987 birth year, same as me. Uh, he was a second-round draft pick to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL, and he died of an overdose in 2017. Um, I didn't know him. I didn't even know of his story. Uh, the story is quickly, I've said it lots, but I, I want to say this just in case there's any first-time listeners. Um, so all of my uh, committed listeners, thank you, and I hope you can appreciate why I need to say this every single podcast, um, and, I, and I'll continue to tell this story. Um, so, but uh, the extended version here is... Um, when I first started Hockey to Heroin, the Road to Recovery, guys, uh, you know, the first episode was recorded in Taylor's mom's Honda CRV uh, with her laptop, with no mic, uh, crappy pair of headphones, and a, with a built-in mic, and 
um, no sense of direction. Uh, I was on a whim. Um, and then, you know, the next day I had Jesse Paradise on, owner of Team Issue. Or sorry, the next day I had Ken Peterson on. Then the following, that was Jesse. Boom, 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 three days in a row. Uh, and I was just spamming Facebook like crazy. Um, if you had uh, a hockey player in your profile and I came across it, boom, you're getting added. And I'm sending you a message and you're going to see Hockey to Heroin and, and hopefully you're going to listen to it. Um, of course, not everybody did, but a lot of people did. Um, and I got nothing but positive feedback and it was incredible and one of those people was Matt Thompson um, and he reached out to me and actually he was on social media for like half a decade uh, and he had just came back come back on social media like the same day I launched the podcast and I added him and sent him and he's like man your story is so much like my friend Matthew Oshinsky and he passed away and uh, since then we've we talked multiple multiple times a day um, and you know I decided to recreate the studio in Matthew Oshinsky's honor and Matt Thompson's come down it's halfway built it's just incredible and guess what Matt Thompson's actually the owner of a senior men's team out here in Ontario uh, the Maxville Mustangs so guys um, <clears throat> Matt's been trying for a while to get me on the ice uh, when the hockey fires back up. And last night I made a decision that, uh, guess what? It's comeback time. I'm going to be playing some hockey uh, this year. Senior men's, I've already contacted the local boxing facility. I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm going to start training Within the next couple of days, I've already quit smoking cigarettes. Uh, I'm dialing back my cannabis use. I'm actually waiting for some THC drops and CBD drops in the mail so I can just eliminate smoking all together while getting uh, the effects that I need. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll wean off that too, but I believe that the CBD especially is going to do wonders for me, uh, but that's a conversation for another day, but it's exciting, I'm excited, I feel like a little kid, I get to rock some Verbero gear, um, and get out there and uh, play the game that I love, and, and this is the first time that I've actually been looking forward to play hockey since I think 2012 when I made a comeback in the Central Hockey League, so really exciting guys. Um, I'm trying to coax whoever, I, I can't uh, tell you right now because I haven't asked his name, uh, but somebody's currently number 25 on the Maxville Mustangs. And, and I mean, my go-to number was 10 because of Pablo Beret, but I wore 25 in Kelowna because of Darren McCarty. It was the best year of my life, and now Darren McCarty has become one of my best friends. So I, I told Matt, I was like, whoever it is, tell him I'll buy. I, I was like, tell him I don't have any money right now, but uh, good things are about to happen. I'll buy the number off him because I want to wear 25 just as a joke, but I was kind of not kidding, so it's kind of funny. But anyways, um, quickly too, um, I went to the dentist the other day, got some bad news a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a little more um, complicated to get my teeth fixed, uh, but you know, I really feel in my heart that the WHL should be taking care of this because I lost them playing there and it was kind of their fault. The Medicine Hat Tigers dentist left with three minutes to go and I lost my teeth um, and they could have put them back in but because the dentist left early thinking nothing was going to happen, um, it could never happen and I braced this for six years. They were off for seven months. Uh, the next day I broke another tooth in practice. It was not a good 12 hours. Needless to say, my dad was choked. Single dad spent uh, an arm and a leg on braces, even though I told him I was going to lose my teeth because I was going to be a hockey player. Um, but again, uh, now I'm here with no teeth for the last two years. 
because I lost my partial. And, uh, you know, it's really expensive. Um, but somebody has reached out and uh, has offered to donate $2,000 for my tea. Uh, they want to remain anonymous. And at this time, I'm unsure if I'm going to accept the money uh, because I did make a video saying that I wouldn't accept donations. Um, and he, he knows that, and, and that's why he wanted to remain anonymous too. And, um, you know, just, but at the same time, I need to stay authentic and, and real. So if I end up changing my mind and taking the money, I'll be honest about it. Um, and of course, I'm the type of person that will provide this guy with a receipt uh, from the dentist so he can know where the money went. That's just the recovering drug addict in me, I guess. Um, to Because tr nobody trusted me for the longest time. So now when people trust me with something like that, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond just to show him and the world that I am, am doing the right thing. And I'll continue doing the right thing. Um, before we get into the episode... I want to give a shout out to one of my new friends, Damien Wint, down there in Fort Belvoir in Virginia. This guy is an army vet. Uh, he's been retired from the army for about 20 years, or maybe not that long, but 20 years ago, he lost uh, a lung in an army accident. And uh, so I guess on Saturday, he was having trouble breathing, and he's an incredible musician. Uh, I'm working on a video for him for YouTube. Uh, it's taken me longer than I'd hoped, but thank you for your patience, Damien. But, uh, you know, he uh, he was having trouble breathing, so he called the ambulance, uh, and the first responders came, and as they were carrying him out, they dropped him. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, accidents happen, even in those situations with uh, the trained professionals, and uh, now he's left with... Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly, but his, his hips are really messed up in his back. Something with his sciatica or his sciatic nerve. Um, he's in a lot of pain. Uh, he, I believe he had to have surgery and he's bedridden. Um, but uh, guess what? Uh, today he's being moved uh, to the rehab center and hopefully he's going to be back on his feet soon. So I'm wishing, and the Hockey to Heroin family is wishing uh, Damien went a speedy recovery. Uh, and actually, Damien's been playing music from his hospital bed. That's how committed he is. Uh, and I'm going to play a song um, that he sent, actually recorded, from his hospital bed at the end of the episode. Um, so that's pretty cool. So, uh, guys, let's get into episode 34 without further ado. But of course, this episode is Proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out. Teamissue.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Guys, that was my go-to move. Uh, assistant coach in Kelowna, Ryan Cuthbert. Uh, after I scored I th probably the nicest goal in my WHL career in Kelowna, I toe-dragged a guy, I've said this before, uh, by the name of Jordan Benfeld, and went in and just buried a beauty shelf. And uh, Cutter came in after the game, and uh, I mean, I was 20 years old at this time, so and it wasn't like I had a hat-trick. Actually, I had a Gordie Howe hat-trick that game, but he came in with a, with a puck taped up as if it was like my first goal as a joke, but it, instead of saying first goal, it said one millionth career WHL toe drag. So it was kind of funny because that was like, I just overdid the toe drag. So guys, toe drag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Uh, they have everything from snapback hats, 
uh, to full jogging suits, athletic shorts, jogging shorts, uh, women's clothes, men's clothes, um, women's jogging pants that are like Lululemon. Uh, right now, let me take a drink. Holy shit, is my throat ever dry? Um, right now, guys, I'm in like uh, I'm in a team issued T-shirt that's like a uh, man. It's like a Lululemon or Under Armour, like you know that dry fit material sick and then the same matching shorts dry fit shorts just sick i got a red team issued snapback hat on minus the no teeth i think i'm looking pretty good come on w whl step up and pay for my teeth do the right thing actually i was talking to greg gardner today and i fought him when we played in the whl but he works in the office and he's, he's really trying to help so thanks to greg um but i'll let you guys uh or i'll keep you guys up to date with what's going on uh there but other than that, guys, here we go with episode 34. I left home at 16 to pursue my dream, and all I ever wanted was to be an NHL hockey player. I was a rookie on the team because I was a first-year player. There was initiations, there was hazing, there was bullying. So, like, my greatest dream turned into, like, my greatest nightmare. My life started to spin out of control. While I was playing professional hockey, I also became involved in the marijuana business. I was apprehended by the FBI with 103 pounds of high-grade marijuana in the year 2000. I was sentenced to two years in prison in the United States of America. So I know if I can deal with that pain, I can deal with any kind of pain that comes my way. There's times when I'm so emotional, I can just be like driving down the street and all of a sudden I just feel like, like bawling my eyes out. I don't know why. I decided to reach out for help. When I was told that I had bipolar, it was a tremendous shock to me. I was in denial for a long time. If you don't feel right, there's hope to get through it. Some people just didn't want me to do it or didn't think I could do it. No matter if you have a mental health issue or, or whatever, there's only one way you're ever gonna find out if you can do anything, and that's actually uh, just trying, just doing it. Today, Ryan Phillips is in Moncton. He left Victoria June 1st and says it's been an emotional trip. There were many reasons why I rode my bike across Canada, but the main message was for millions of people that are suffering in tremendous pain and silence to reach out for help. I've written a book, you know, I, I've produced a film. I live such a great life. It's been so great. I'm full of gratitude, <clears throat> full of gratitude. Guys, without further ado, shit, I get teary-eyed just listening to that. Um, <laughs> without further ado, from the Okanagan uh, in British Columbia, former North Shore Winter Club Winter Hawk, former Tacoma Rocket Kelowna Spartan Regina Pat Vernon Laker, Olds Grizzly Wichita Thunder Nashville Nighthawk Monroe Moccasin 
the Waco Wizards. He also went back to the Wichita Thunder and played for the Topeka Scarecrows and rounded out his career 99-2000 with the San Angelo Outlaws. But guys, uh, maybe more important than his hockey career, uh, you guys heard it in the intro. This guy's on a path, a journey of redemption, much like myself, uh, and he's doing some incredible things. So without further ado, originally from North Vancouver, British Columbia, now living in the beautiful Okanagan, BC, Ryan Phillips. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you very much, Brady, for uh, the uh, emotional intro. God, I was almost in tears hearing my own voice. And then I was supposed to see how many suitcases I had in my closet from all the teams I played for. I didn't realize I was on that many teams. Christ. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the wonderful welcome. And, uh, yeah, let's open her up and uh, get real. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just... Uh... I mean, I, I don't know. I, there's no secret. I, I do a lot of Facebook videos, Instagram videos. I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm naturally pretty emotional, but now with this journey going on, I just, uh, there's just so much going on. I, I don't even know how to handle it. I just have to cry sometimes. And, and what you're doing is, is really inspiring, right? So, uh, you know, it's not that you played on a lot of teams. It's just that that's the course over, you know, over quite a few years. But, you know, let's start with the hockey and, and, uh, we'll get into the real life stuff. I'm sure. I mean, I, let's you and I haven't uh, talked too much. Um, that's probably going to change quite a bit after uh, this conversation because I'd love to see you involved in the Puck Support Foundation and and, and uh, many other facets as well as like I could just see us becoming great friends. Um, but let's start with the hockey. So you grew up in North Van. Uh, my dad's a retired North Vancouver District firefighter. He was there for, God, 35-plus years. He just retired, so shout-out to my dad, as I always do in every episode. Um, but uh, growing hey, Dad. Up- yeah, growing up in uh, growing up in North Van, it's it's a beautiful area. Uh, you got to play in the North Shore Winter Club, which is a historic, historic, um, not just hockey club, but it's just a historic place on the North Shore in uh, the Lower Mainland of British Columbia. Uh, talked a little bit about your minor hockey career, uh, what your experience was like, and uh, you know how hockey affected you growing up in in maybe some positive ways, but also if there was any negative things that maybe you look back and say maybe if I wasn't a hockey player I know we don't like to do that but um did you ever have any negative experiences at the minor hockey level uh you know a few uh that came uh later you know I think uh maybe like in peewee and bantam when the you know the politics with the parents and whatnot but uh you know I I love the game so much from an early age you know I started skating at two uh, like you mentioned, the North Shore Winter Club. My uh, my grandfather and my, and my grandma were actually original members of the new, uh, North Shore Winter Club. Uh, my grandfather was an avid curler, and uh, then you know it just made sense that we became members. And my dad was my coach for up until I was about maybe seven or eight. And uh, hockey was just everything to me. I mean, you can, whether I was on the ice or, or on the ice. Uh, unless I was in school, uh, you, you probably uh, would see me with a hockey stick in my hands. And hands, uh, uh, anyways, um, yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I was one of those. Uh, you know, I humbly say, a very gifted uh, young kid uh, doing what he was uh, doing, what he loved. And um, yeah, it's you know, some negative experiences, obviously. Uh, 
uh, you know, this is isn't going to get into like the whole like abuse uh, of what's been kind of going on uh, streamlined across the nation of, of Canada in the last uh, say like three weeks to a month. Um, but you know, uh, it, it's a beautiful game, and uh, you know, I, I really wish uh, that uh, the parents sometimes would stick their nose out of the business, and uh, especially with the kids, and just let the kids play and have fun. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, not everybody's going to make the NHL or junior and, you know, the higher ranks. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a game that's, uh, it's got to be a pre, it's, it's a creative game. You know, it's a creative game that needs to be experienced on many levels, you know. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, nothing really negative to say up until about, say, 14, 15. You know, I, there was, uh, you know, uh, a couple coaches that, you know, weren't kind. And uh, there was one trainer in particular that, uh, you know, he did put his hands on me. And uh, that wasn't a nice experience. But uh, you're young and uh, you move on. And, but it's, not, you know, not till later in life you kind of think about those things that, uh, you know, those aren't, those were maybe the right things to be doing to a young kid. So, but uh, moving forward. Well, yeah, I mean, I listened to your story and a lot, we have a lot of the same parallels. And as we get into it, they will draw even closer. I mean, people heard a lot there in the intro and, um, you know, I clipped that together um, from a couple of different videos. I hope it sounded all right. I think, you know, I, that was pretty much the first time that I listened to it back and, and just, you know, really sitting there and listening to your story. And I mean, it's, you know, nothing short of a miracle that you're still alive, too. Maybe you weren't a fentanyl heroin addict so much like myself. But, you know, some of those deep... Oh, I've plate... done enough. I've done enough cocaine to fill up a bar. It, it, well, that's just... Loud. I'm exactly... You know, I, I, I think I've done every... I, I've, you know, I've, tr- I've tried heroin twice in my life. Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't something that really took well to my system. Neither was alcohol or any drugs. It was just, you know, I, I, I became addicted uh, to escape pain. Uh, my, my first major concussion that happened in hockey uh, was... You know, my was my draft year uh, when I was playing at Tacoma. Um, you know, I was actually scouted by Lauren Fry, who I saw that uh, was on one of your podcasts. Wonderful gentleman, probably yeah. one of the nicest men I've ever met in hockey. And uh, you know, he really believed in me, and uh, you know, so I got the opportunity to play in the Western Hockey League. And you know, at the beginning of the year, I was getting all kinds of ice time, and uh, you know, uh, Central Scouting was, uh, you know, they had me, you know, fairly highly ranked in the NHL draft. And uh, seven games into the season, I think it was probably about maybe three, four, five minutes into the game, um, I was coming down on uh, on the left-hand side of the ice, uh, full speed with the puck, and uh, a guy who was about uh, maybe 20, 30 pounds bigger than me uh, hit me from behind hard uh, into the boards. And the last thing I remember was, Curling my chin about literally two inches from the boards and lights out. And uh, when I came to, you know, my dad always told me, he said, never stay down on the ice. He said, never stay down on the ice. Only, you know, da, 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 you know, kind of hard, you know, old school mentality. And uh, so, I, you know, I, little did I know I was actually uh, unconscious for probably uh, 35 to, you know, 35 to 50, 40, who knows, I was, 45 seconds, let's say. I was unconscious for a little bit, got up, and, uh, you know, stumbled to the bench. Uh, my left shoulder dropped completely. Um, 
and then that later realized after getting my jersey cut off after being uh well first of all the coach kicked me in the ass to get back on the ice uh, after that happened uh after being you know those literally two three minutes after that that incident occurred uh you know kicked me in the butt and said get the get out there and give her and i looked back, i was in so much pain but I didn't want to let myself down. My teammates, the coach, uh, my mom and dad were in the stands. Uh, my, my grandparents, they were in the stands as well. Was at the Tacoma Dome. We were playing against the Seattle Thunderbirds. I remember, I remember that like it was yesterday. Uh, There's like over 15,000 fans. Just it was, uh, you know, it was, it, it was supposed to be the funnest time of my life. You know, all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, next thing you know, it's just, you know, life's very unpredictable. Um, you know, things happen and, uh, turned out I broke my shoulder in three places and separated it as well. And, um, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was a really emotionally, uh, trying time, uh, that I was prescribed Oxycontins and, and different painkillers and whatnot, uh, out for four months. I only played 25 games that year. And, uh, you know, when I returned to the lineup, um, you know, we had a really good team that year. Um, the coach uh, didn't give me a chance. So I was actually, you know, I, I spent most of those, uh, most of the games uh, sitting up in the rafters uh, taking notes uh, on, uh, on on my teammates on uh, how many mistakes or how many uh, 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 face-offs they won, whatever. So it was, uh, it was hard. It was really, really hard. But, um, you know, um, the effect of that, that first concussion – you know, really started to kind of propel itself forward and perpetuate um, in ways that, you know, with like just a, a really depressed state of mind. Um, you know, you don't realize that at such a young age, you know, that, you know, the brain is, you know, it's such an intricate piece of machinery, you know, and if our left brain and our right brain, are, you know, those two hemispheres aren't working in a natural state of homeostasis, um you know, we get crippled by anxiety and, and, and the depression and uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, what they say uh, or, you know, what they call mental illnesses. Um, for me, I, I was told that I was bipolar five years ago, um, but that was mis- that was a misdiagnosis. I, I actually, I suffer from post-concussion syndrome and complex post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. So, um, and my PTSD is in the main from you know, the concussions and, uh, we could go into a, a few other things. Uh, uh, we might go into that. That's, that'll be quite if you ask me, but, um, yeah, that was my first one. And, uh, you know, I, it wasn't pleasant, but it, it definitely, uh, it, it took me on a downward spiral where it was, um, you know, I'm not good enough now. Uh, you know, there was a lot of grieving of, you know, not getting drafted that year and, you know, seeing uh, guys, you know, your peers, uh, you know, uh, being, you know, celebrating at the draft and whatnot, and him not being called. It was, uh, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you keep on keeping on and, uh, you know, you, you go, th- yeah, a lot of pain, man. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where the addiction though really started to kick into high gear with, uh, you know, with the drinking and, uh, and the using and, uh, and then, you know, uh, the very next year I broke my collarbone in half and same thing, you know, uh, I played only 40 some odd games that year. And, uh, that happened after I got, tra- I got traded to Regina 
and uh, you know, midwinter, uh, not a lot to do, but uh, sitting in the basement, injured uh, with the other injured guys, and uh, you know, pound back whiskey and uh, and painkillers, and uh, you know, I don't know if we were feeling sorry for ourselves or having fun, uh, just fun, uh, fucked up and injured. <laughs> so, anyways. Well, no, I I mean, listen, I've been in those same situations, and the sad thing is, is we are not alone either. There's not a lot of support there. Uh, There wasn't back then. There wasn't when I was around, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot now, and that's really why, um, you know, uh, myself and, and some others have really taken the time to, you know, create the Pox Support Foundation for, you know, instances like that when uh you know among other things like we will really um try to cover all the bases because there's so many different avenues and it's going to take time to build that program but i mean it's it's a journey and i'm excited about it but i mean that's certainly one facet of it like you know being there to support guys when they're going through that that's not something absolutely that's the stuff that people don't realize and, and i think even the coaches don't realize because they get you know one either they're not that emotionally invested to begin with or two they're so busy trying to win and they're worried about winning because if they don't win, they're going to get fired, um, that they're stressed out and have their own stresses going on, that they don't even have time to worry about their 23 players or 21 players or whatever it is in their individual needs. And that's why there is need for more of an outside source. Um, and, and I truly believe that. And I can say that because I lived it and I experienced it. And I, I think you would tend to agree. Well, absolutely, and that's the thing is, you know, it's I always say that, you know, allowing the misunderstood to be understood, and you know, uh, how can how can you talk to someone who has didn't leave home at a young age, uh, to you know, left all their friends, started at a new school, uh, now they're playing with a bunch of guys that they just met, uh, you know, usually they bond as a family, but as we both know, a lot of teams do are, are get you know their little cliques and whatnot. You know, and uh, it it can be very, very overwhelming, and you know, especially at a young age, and you know your your job's on the line every day, and you, you once you figure you know you figure that one out, like holy shit, you know, this is all a lot of this is about the jobs, the money. I'm a commodity, and uh, everything I was told over the summer by the coach and some of the scouts and whatnot, and now it's not happening, and now I'm scared to go to the rink and. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know it was called anxiety back then, but, you know, I was feeling off and, um, you know, I even developed such a, a bad habit that every time I, uh, the puck touched my t- tape of my stick, I'd be looking back at the coach to see if he was there to see, uh, looking at me to see if I was going to fuck up. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a ripple effect, obviously, that happens uh, with these, uh, you know, traumatizing injuries uh, not just to the brain but you know to the physical body as well um and you know how concussions you know how they affect our overall physiology and our especially our emotions you know there's that uh, you know the core mechanism in the brain is the amygdala and you know that's the fight or flight and when you're on fight you are in a state usually of panic anxiety or fear Flight is homeostasis when you're in the flow, in the flow of life and enjoying life. And, you know, your sensory uh, uh, receptors are firing off, your synapses and whatnot. And, 
you know, you're working from the prefrontal cortex of your brain, not the subconscious, which is taking on all those habitual uh, paradigms, so to speak, and habits that are, you know, definitely destructive to our overall, uh, you know, sense of well-being. So, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes to it. You know, I was mentioning this, I think, about maybe six or seven months ago. I was, you know, my parents are really worried about me every day about because they know that, like, a lot of my mental health issues, the majority of my mental health issues stem from the impact of the concussions. You know, yeah, okay, the rookie hazing and everything like that, we can get through that, you know, so with, with talking about it, you know, um, we go through it and, you know, whatever, you know, we take it as it is. But when the concussions play into, get into play and then with the addiction to go along with that, it's like compound interest and, you know, when you hit maybe at, you know, a certain age of, of uh, enlightenment or realization that, holy fuck, you know, like, look, look, what I, look, look what's happened to myself. Like, how did this, how did this happen? You know, we're uh, at 16, 17, being super, super ultra healthy and fired up and motivated and ready to go and take the world by the balls and make the NHL and, you know, make all your dreams come true and, you know. And then next thing you know, you're, you find yourself in, it's like almost like a mental prison. And, um, I firmly believe that any player that has left home to play hockey and sacrificed their mind, their body and their soul for the game and for the love of the game should, if they have any trauma, there should be some sort of support network where you know, if, it, if it's, you know, coming from the leagues or whatnot, you know, there's, there's more than enough money to go around to help people that have sustained some of these injuries. And, you know, my ex-girlfriend, she was, uh, she was best friend with Rick Rippin's girlfriend. We knew there was issues going on with Rick way back. Um, you know, you hear stuff at the back of the bus even. I, you know, I, I knew what was going on with Graham James uh, 10 years before even got, uh, before that happened. You, you you know things are going on. Wade Belock, another guy I played uh, against, wonderful, wonderful human being, and same thing. You know, like all these hits to the head. You know, uh, you know Dan Carcillo, uh, another friend of mine, who's been very vocal about uh, you know his uh, you know regaining his brain health, and you know kudos to him for opening the door uh, to talk uh, freely about these you know kind of things. Um, you know, it's uh, just because you, you don't make it to the NHL doesn't mean that you're not worthy of getting the proper care. Exactly. And I think that's what it, and that's what it comes down to. And even you talking about your teeth, like straight up, bro. Like, I mean, I wish I could pay for your teeth right now, or I, I wish we could do something for you, or whatever. But like the team you played for or one of the teams you played for or one of the teams you played against, just the league should be taking care of that. You would like, think, right? It, it, happened, it I mean, happened during a game. And here's the thing, right? It's not just me or whatever. And, and yeah, did they get me a flipper when it happened? Sure they did. But guess what? That only lasts for a few years and then I'm gone. And then yeah. what? And then what? And my rest of my life, I'm just on my own. That's not fair for one. And, and two, I mean, listen, like, 
not every guy is losing four teeth that play in the league. So how much money is it really? Like for me to get implants, it'd be about $8,000. And you know what? I, I fought so many times in that league, scored in that league, bled blood sweat and tears for my team fans at all yeah. and where are they now all i need all i'm asking for is some teeth that's it like so i can you know look presentable and, and feel good about myself and move on with my life and and i appreciate you saying that but that's the thing it's like this guy has offered to send me two thousand dollars and that's so awesome like that is amazing like i know there's amazing people out there now today i know that like you asked me six seven months ago i would have told you you're crazy um, mm -hmm. but, but that's because I was in that, that's my perspective that needed to change. It wasn't that the, all of a sudden people just started changing. Like I, I didn't change and everyone around me just started being good. No, 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 no. My perspective changed and I did the work and I changed and that's the only well, thing that's changed. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's not asking a whole lot. And, uh, I've I really don't been think putting, so at all. I, I've been putting the pressure on them for sure lately. And especially today, I, I really did. And I, I basically said to them, like, um, to Greg Gardner, I said, you listen, um, I've been asking you for the last month. Um, every time I ask you, you're either on vacation or waiting to hear back. I said, I know your hands are maybe a little bit tied. You, you've done what you can, made phone calls, emails, whatever. I appreciate it. But, you know, I've had people, good people that are willing to pay for this. And I don't even feel that's right. I feel that it's you guys should be paying for it. But it's okay. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Um, 100%. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I get a message. All of a sudden, I get a message back with a little bit more information. And uh, so it's funny how that works. And, and I never want to make the WHL look bad because, you know, but no, at the same God, time, no. I don't do want to know something, bad though. Like Sorry, I, I yeah. want you to talk. But, Ryan, I, I have never shared this. Is I've emailed the, the league several times, even years ago, asking about my teeth getting fixed because this happened when I was 17. So that's like, fuck, 15 years ago. So, like, come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. My dad paid all that money for braces, and now what? Like, it's, you know, it'd be nice to have my teeth. And uh, Absolutely. Regardless, yeah. if they bought me a flipper 15 years ago, that doesn't help me today. But, you know, did they do what they could back then? Sure. But that's what, now that they have no use for me, now I'm, you know, I'm gone. That's it. Anyways, yeah. let's yeah. move on. I, I'm, you know, the parallels, Wait. yeah, the parallels just never seem to end. Uh, <laughs> you... You know, I've been in jail multiple times, but, you know, you um, got caught up in some some shit like you. I did. You went to you went to the pen. I started in, some shit. And, yeah, well, yeah. And so let's backtrack a little bit. So you're 20 years old. Hey, hey, first of all, before you say where are they now? Um, I, w I want to touch on, you know, where are some of the, where are the, some of these players now that we're so close to and that were our brothers uh, that yes. we bled for out there on the ice. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I speak to a lot of these guys uh, on, on a very regular basis. You know, I'm, I'm in DC right now, but I'm still talking to some of my best buddies from way back, you know, 25 years ago, uh, that are in Saskatchewan or Alberta or whatever. And, and why is it? I don't. Why is it that every single one of these guys, every one of them, I, I, there's not one guy that I've talked to that actually is okay right now. No, it's I almost know. everyone. I, I'm on I'm on antidepressants. I, I'm I'm drinking too much. I have an alcohol problem. And then they reach they, they reach out to me saying, Billy, how right? How 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 do you do this? You're such an inspiration. When and like you know, I've never been one to be good at taking compliments. And I'm like. Man, I'm, I feel it too. 
I'm like, I just do it. Like I just go out there and I do whatever I can do to try to make it better and to try to like maybe motivate or just like if I can just help one life or whatever. And I'm not trying to, I'm not doing this to be trying to be famous or anything like that. I'm doing it because I like, I hurt, I hurt and I understand the hurt. And, you know, so when these guys are, you know, it breaks my heart. Like, you know, we, we talk about stories when we're, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever, 20, and even into the pro ranks. But, like, how much all those good old days of fun and laughter before, you know, all this depression kind of kicked in and, you know, all the post-concussion symptoms, you know, later on with, like, you know, I mean, I, I'm very transparent. There was, I mean, there's been, when it was at its worst, I mean, um, I, I would be under my cover sometimes for two, three days at a time. I couldn't get out of bed, even take a leak. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, and I'm sure you probably, uh, you felt that one too. It's, uh, I don't think people understand how hard it is once you, your, your brain has been injured in a certain way. And then to be kind of like put over to the wayside, like, Okay, well, we're not going to take care of you. So you're you're now that your your hockey career is done, you're you're done. You're you're done with us now. Okay, now just go lead a regular life. Now just go just go be normal now, because because we both know the hockey culture isn't totally a normal life. You know, we, we glamorize it, we see it from the outside, but on the in inner corridors, you know, yeah, wicked friendships and stuff like that. And, and I'm not going to attack any coaches or names about all the bullshit that's been going on these days, but. You know, really, uh, making the transition from hockey into real life, well, I'll, we're going to talk about what I did in a few minutes, but, um, you know, for most for most guys, is a hell of a duty to perform in its own right. And props to anyone, to all the guys that have actually, you know, come out, uh, especially out of the minor uh, pro ranks, you know, I mean, Coming out of the NHL, you usually have a few bucks, so you're good. You can start something, start a business or whatever, and, and, and you're okay. But, you know, for the guys that didn't make the millions of dollars, and, you know, a lot of those guys are really, really suffering right now. And it's, uh, it's very sad because a lot of lives are being lost, too, due to addiction and suicides and all that kind it's of stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, I feel like enough. I've lost half my friends. Me, too. I've seen enough. I feel like a and, and and I feel I know I can feel it over the phone. I can feel your empathy, and that's the thing too. It's like, why do I? I ask myself, and I'm not. I don't. I'm not trying to feel like unique or anything, but like, why do I feel everything on such a deep emotional level? And you know, like I was I was a goal scorer for NES hockey player uh, when they gave me the chance, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm a pretty big kid that could go out there and, and, and kick some ass and put a guy through the board. You know, like, I don't know, it's hard to make sense of all this because really, if you look at it, it's kind of primal. Like, it's almost like Gladiator 2,000 years ago, you know? Throw, throw, uh, four, four, you know, five, five, ten, twelve, twelve guys on the ice there, let them go to war. And, uh, I mean, look at Paul Korea. Paul Korea was a really good friend of mine growing up. And, he was one uh, of my yeah. favorite players, man. Me too. Yeah, wow. Probably one of one of the most talented guys I ever played with and against was Paul. We played lacrosse together. I was like a huge Paul Korea fan. I was like Paul, well, uh, Pavel, Theo, and Darren McCarty were like my favorite players probably. But, oh, God. But Paul I mean, Korea and Beret were like 
Yeah, like I wore I mean, number nine and ten in minor hockey because of that. Right? <laughs> so Paul Paul Korea and Pavel Bure are two players that in today's game would absolutely go out there and tear it up. Still, oh, like yeah. those, just their their speed, their creativity was just like unbelievable. But Paul, uh, you know, after he, uh, it, it was, I mean, it looked like attempted murder to me. It, you know, I think everybody who knows hockey is pretty. Uh, uh, in tune with the two hits, uh, uh, one was uh, was Scott Stevens, and the other one was uh, Gary Suter. I mean, th- that was like attempted murder for Christ's sake. Oh yeah, and Suter was brutal. You know, that was terrible. I remember that. I was but, so pissed, and I, I I wanted to. Uh, I, I I instantly hated the United States more just based on that, like United States hockey, I should say. Um, I was so angry. I was so mad, bro. That was the era because Bure had left. Vancouver, so I was boycotting the Canucks, and I was all about Paul Korea and Anaheim Ducks, and I was yeah. choked. I wanted to like murder Suter. You don't even know, bro. Well, talking to Paul, uh, you know, after that, and I think he even said in a few interviews um, after that one, you know, I, it, Game Seven, I think it was, it was Game Six or Game Seven against the Devils. I think it was Game Six, forcing Game Seven. Um, but when when Stevens hit him, and uh, I mean. Uh, I hate to get too graphic about it, but you know, snot bubbles were coming out of his nose. He was he was uh, uh, unconscious for over a minute for sure. Uh, you know, and then he came to life, came back, and he put one top shelf over Berger's uh, shoulder there and, and won an overtime. He doesn't even remember scoring that goal. I he doesn't remember it. scoring that goal. Um, and he there's there's a, a few years of his life where he actually doesn't even really remember like a lot of his life at all. He hasn't been on the ice. Uh, since his, his retirement in 2010 or 11, if, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, he lives in Orange County, does paddleboarding, tries to connect to the energy of the, of the ocean to try to keep his mind calm. Because Paul Correa, uh, you know, a specimen who was academically uh, gifted and unbelievably gifted athletically, um, uh, obviously has suffered from uh, depression and all the and anxiety and all this. You know the panic attacks, everything that goes with, you know, getting that uh, that computer that we have uh, in, in between our two years uh, damaged, and uh, you know, I, sometimes I surprise myself that I can intellectually have a conversation with you because it's really easy to like actually feel good when I'm talking to a like-minded person, but like when I'm alone, sometimes in my thoughts, and I'm not able to speak about these kind of things with people that understand that like you know, don't understand, um, it's tough because a lot of these guys, man, as you know, um, they don't have a voice. And, you know, like I, I just, I would love to have that, you know, that opportunity to be able to like, you know, create a platform for all these guys that have suffered from these same sort of, you know, injuries and maladies and whatnot. And ad- addiction, it just, just because they're an addict doesn't mean they're a bad person. That's what right. led them into be what led them into their addictive behaviors? You know, like um, you know, you, there's always an underlying issue why somebody gets into you know using something that's going to damage their you know their their system in, in some way. You know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or you know anything else that you know can you know poison the mind. But um, yeah, it's uh, it runs deep, man. It's uh, it's no joke. Um, it, and it's tough to relate to 
I hate to say that we're normal people, you know, people that didn't play hockey or, you know, or a high impact sport. It's hard to relate because, you know, um, it's, it's just hard to relate. I guess that's going to have this discussion, right? We're, we're trying to make sense of it. And uh, even to ourselves sometimes, like, I mean, it's really, sometimes it's hard for me to actually make sense of everything that's happened because it's like, holy shit, life moves quick. And, that happened that long ago and now I'm feeling like this now these are supposed to be like some of the most joyful years of my life and I'm reliving like past shit that I just like you know I, I've been in and out of AA for 15 years I'm, I've been sober for a couple years now I've had five years of sobriety under my belt and all that kind of stuff but you know what it hasn't helped any, with, with being sober hasn't helped with my concussion hasn't helped with with the intrusive thoughts you know, um, I have that never give up mentality uh, that I will, you know, that's absolutely, I know why people take their lives. I definitely know that. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, <laughs> just to keep moving forward and doing like, you know, good, you know, I still go to the gym every day. Um, but moving forward is very hard for me because I still haven't been able to really, truly, truly, truly let go because I can't get into that flow state because my brain has been fucking damaged. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's the real deal. You know, like I've written a book. Yeah. Like I said, I've written a book. I've produced films. I've done this. I've done a couple Ted talks. I've done this. I've done this. And everyone should be like, Oh my God, you're doing all these amazing things. I must feel awesome. But you know what? It actually, it's just like, I feel like it's almost like a duty to give back. But at the same end, you know, it's not like I've gone chasing after it. They've, you know, the TED Talks people came to me and they wanted my stories. And same with National Geographic, you know, they came to me. It wasn't like I went, I went chasing for it. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's an interesting story. But at the same time, it's, you know, there's a lot of goddamn pain behind that story. And a lot of healing that still, still needs to take place for Ryan. And, you know, like, that's why, you know, even, you know, just being you know, talking to you and being on this podcast, I, I never shy away from anything that's going to, you know, hopefully, you know, hit somebody's heartstrings. And, uh, you know, if, if, they're, if, if they're suffering in silence, you know, to reach out for help, you know, there is resources and, um, you know, and people like you, you know, be so proud of yourself for what you're doing. And I love Darren McCarty too. He's one of my faves from all time. Maybe I can meet him one day through you. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I mean, DMAC's been great, great with me. There's, there's no secret. I'm pretty uh, open about it. Um, but there, you said a lot there. There's a lot, and I mean, going back to, to just you know, having the never give up mentality that you were talking about. Uh, when guys reach out to you and they say, "Hey, how do you do it?" or you know. Um, and, and you're struggling as well, but you're just putting one foot in front of the other and you just, you know, you're just doing it. And, uh, I completely understand I'm the same way. And I mean, lately you would know just as, just as well, how many people reach out. I mean, I can't imagine how many people reach out to you when you're, uh, riding across Canada, which we'll get into as well. But, um, you know, again, I, I have to remind people as well when they reach out to me, I don't have all the answers, you know, but I'm just trying to, again, 
do the next right thing. And as long as I don't use drugs, I I have a really easy time doing that. That's what feels natural to me. And that's what I've figured out. And I'm lucky Um, because I I agree with you. To me, service is is the biggest thing. But if people want to know how I'm doing it, uh, I look at it this way. If you want a hockey analogy, uh, for anybody that's ever taken uh, part in a bag skate, um, you know what that's like. Okay, put it this way: a bag skate, a bag skate at training camp when you're trying to make a team in your rookie year. Um, put it that way, and put yourself in that situation, and and the coaches and all the scouts and the GM and everybody's watching the bag skate, um, and your body just wants to quit, um, and shut down. But you find that extra gear because all of them are watching and you know if you don't keep up with the rest of the guys, um, there's a good chance that'll be it for you and essentially your life on the team, you die. And to me, if I don't keep going and doing exactly what I'm doing now, of course, making some different alterations and building my network and things as I go, but if I don't continue on this path um, and, you know, reaching out and being of service and doing all that it's the same thing if i don't keep fighting i will die and, and that's absolutely and that's the yeah, way you i have look to have at something it. to wake up for every day you have to have definiteness of purpose just definiteness of purpose is is really you know like you have to ha- you have to be able to put some meaning with what you're doing like even you know success you know so many people uh connotate success to money i don't believe that I believe that success is the progressive realization of, a, of something worthy. You know, if you're if you're a, a worthy ideal, and you know, if you do something, if you're if you're, you know, serve more, earn more, and then earn more, contribute more into, into you know, uh, into humanity, and let's just try to leave this place, uh, this world, a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> since we uh, were, we were blessed enough to you know grace its presence, you know, so. Um, yeah, you know, uh, keep going is is definitely one of my uh, my go to mantras, and uh, especially when I when I cross the you know the second biggest uh, landmass in uh, in the world, um, there was only one time I thought that like I just that I might not make it, and that was going through the prairies. And, you know, the crosswinds were just unbelievably like. <laughs> that is nuts. I went from going like thirty miles, uh, thirty kilometers an hour. Uh, uh, to like seven kilometers an hour is ridiculous. Almost get being blown off the road like thirty times in one day sometimes, you know. But uh, but you make it through with five bundles of uh, pulls on your back and soaking wet, and uh, you know a couple flat tires here and there. But uh, you just you, you give her, and I was doing it. Uh, yeah, this was you know I, I've made this very clear so so many times that this was not Ryan's ride at all. I was just the uh, the vessel or the conduit that was going across the country to just give a little bit of hope. You know, um, I'm, I'm just a guy that, uh, you know, because I've gone through what I've gone through and, uh, you know, I just want people to be aware that, um, there is help available and, uh, you know, um, I still suffer like just, you know, just because I made it across Canada, like I still have to manage myself. Like I still have to be really, you know, careful about like triggers and whatnot. Uh, or, you know, I, I can go into uh, some, a really negative mindset where fear starts to really kind of like, you know, get a hold of me. And it's just, uh, 
you know, false evidence appearing right, right? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. In, in most cases. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But um, going back, what was the deciding factor or how did you come up with the idea to ride across Canada? Because it wasn't just Canada. Did you not also ride across Cambodia for a whole other mm -hmm. thing? So that was for human trafficking and sex slavery. Was that before the ride across Canada? It, it was, but I actually went across Cambodia last year as well for mental health awareness. Uh, what happened was um, after hockey, I I stopped playing hockey uh, in 99-2000. For the first half of the year, I, I had a, a little girl, a daughter, who suffered from schizophrenia. From a uh, they said it was from the onset from a concussion. She had a really bad concussion in soccer, and uh, she's now uh, had a, a real, real struggle. Her mental health uh, struggle has been exacerbating for our, our whole family, and, and I, my heart goes out to her every second. I can feel her. Um, but um, what happened was uh, after hockey was done, um, growing up in B.C., uh, lumber and marijuana. And uh, I had all these markets there and connections, so to speak, down in the United States of America that, uh, had a high demand for uh, the, the lucrative BC bud that everybody uh, desires so uh, <laughs> uh, on, on a regular basis it seems these days um, anyways uh, yeah I uh, built a you know a massive uh, kind of pioneered the industry so to speak uh, way back uh, when I was a teen still and you know I was, I was still I was still playing hockey when I was you know, kind of get into that little that business, and you know that business was much like ho the hockey culture. It was just fast lane partying, and uh, you know, no rules. You can do whatever you want, sleep in, and kind of whatever. You know, like well, not no rules to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Uh, different rules. You know, like you know how it is. Uh, you know, the, the hockey guys. There's different. It seems like there's different rules for the hockey guys uh, usually than there is you know, in a town than there is for that, for other people to get off of things a little easier. But, uh, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, that decision to go into that industry, uh, you know, it started, you know, kind of small, but it got big real, real quick. And, um, you know, I was, you know, sending hundreds of pounds, you know, a week across the border through different channels of, you know, helicopters and planes and kayaks and the boats and you know, I mean you name it hiking trails to the mountains and whatnot and then which ultimately led to uh, uh, a conspiracy to import charge when I went down there and uh, the feds picked me up and I did over 500 days in a maximum federal penitent is a supermax actually uh, yeah in Seattle just out SeaTac it was called SeaTac federal penitentiary and um yeah i didn't see the light of day for 500 days not talk about a test on the old mind you know one day you're uh you know you're playing in front of thousands of people and making money now and uh you know thinking you're the king of swing and uh, everything's all good so you think and uh next thing you know you're locked up in an 8 by 12 uh you know with uh you know mexican mafia and Gang, crips and bloods and white power down the states and uh, 
<laughs> you know, I think my sense of humor was the only thing that got me through it. To, to be honest with you, that was, uh, you know, I just kind of had to, uh, you know, but I was, I was younger, you know, I was younger, I was more mentally resilient at that time, I think. And, uh, not that I'm not mentally strong now. I just think that, you know, when you're younger, you just, you know, you're not thinking of the end game, you know, uh, it's like, okay, oh fuck, I just gotta just get through this and, you know, things are gonna be okay. Da, 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 da. But, um, um, you know, I, I, I didn't learn my lesson right away. I, I got out and I, I was, uh, you know, I was told I was never gonna be allowed back to the United States ever again in my life, uh, because of, you know, international drug smuggling. Um, I got out of that business. I, I kept doing it for a few years afterwards and, uh, we did over $90 million our, our, our best year, and that money is all gone now. Um, you know, it was uh, illegally made, and, uh, you know, it, I was, it, came and, it came and went, it was like pretty quick. It was, it was the easiest hard money that, that I ever made, I think, you know, or that my, my team made, so to speak. It was, it was such a gong show back then, and I was, you know, tomahawked uh, out of my mind half the time I was a train wreck you know I was, uh, was uh, I wasn't thinking straight but um, um, when I got out of that uh, that business I decided I just really wanted to give back you know I was I was deeply humbled that uh, from a lot there was threats on my life um, you know some bad things happened uh, I lost a lot of friends due to uh, you know uh, murders and uh, you know, uh, and and you know, addiction issues as well. And I was, I just, I woke up one day. I had mirrored ceilings in my room, and I was like, I just got, I'm done. I, I looked at my, I couldn't look at myself. I could, I was like, I just, I had this big, massive house, and there was a big party there the night before. And I was like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I don't care how much money's in the, people can have my money. They can have all the hooks. I mean, I. I I allowed myself to be used, and I literally, at the end of the day, I look back on it now. I was, I was just—I think I was—I was doing it just because I wanted to be loved, and um, yeah. So when I got out of it, um, I decided that I was going to dedicate the, the remainder of my life to giving back and being of service to the world in a, in a positive manner. And uh, I really, truly wanted to return to happiness because I hadn't been happy for a lot of years. No amount of money ever made me happy. Uh, buying a new BMW, uh, you know, put a smile on my face for a day. Then I'd look out the window and I'd be like, I'm not a goddamn BMW guy. I'm a pickup guy for crying out loud. I'm just, that's not who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I never thought I was really, like, deserving or good enough even back then. And um yeah i what happened was i uh i went on a journey of uh you know uh really you know diving inside going i went uh you know inwards and i really wanted to know who the hell ryan was you know like i was never ryan the hockey player I, that was just something that i did you know just like mental illness that it it doesn't have to define me i define who the fuck i am and so do you and so does everybody else or they can if they want it's up to them but um yeah when uh when that all came to a halt i was filming a documentary over there in, in uh, southeast asia the land of smiles uh and i got asked to do this bike ride to help raise awareness 
uh, for Human Trafficking and Child Sex Slavery. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, caught word that uh, I was uh, cha- uh, clear, <laughs> making better decisions with my life and, uh, you know, doing good, trying to do the best I could to be a good human being. And uh, after a three-week ride across Cambodia and raising some awareness and, uh, and a lot of money for uh, the cause, um, the very next day, uh, I got a, a announcement from, it actually went to my dad and then my dad called me with, with the actual, uh, message, uh, that I got granted a full pardon, uh, for business and for pleasure back down in the United States of America. The first pardon of its kind. So, wow. um, so the impossible became possible because I really believed it would happen. And, uh, you know, um, I do, I'm a huge believer in karma that what goes around comes around, what you put out, uh, out in the universe, you get back. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, not tr- trying to get all spiritual on everybody's, uh, consciousness here, but, uh, you know, I do believe that we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience here on this earth and that we can literally, you know, take our thoughts, our feelings and our emotions. And if we can, you know, paint that picture in our mind. We can really, uh, we can see it in our in, in our physical reality. We can hold it in our hands, even. So, thoughts do become things. And I thought so much, and I believed so much, and it happened. And uh, blessed, uh, even after that, to do a TED talk on my experience that uh, can be viewed on YouTube. So, <laughs> did that, cool. and uh, very, TED very, talk number one. <laughs> very, yeah, very cool. And uh, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that too. I mean karma for one and law of attraction if, if you whatever you put out you're going to get back and and if you really want something if you ask the universe for it and just continue to do the right things and you know it things manifest if you keep you know presenting it to yourself and asking for it and and i mean it might, you guys listening may think i'm crazy but i i don't need people to tell me that that's okay or that that's um <laughs> even real because I know for myself it is true and, and you obviously know it too. So it's, you know, and, million, and, and yeah. millions of other people. So it's, it's cool. I get it. A lot of people just shut it down because they're scared. They, they don't understand it and they, and they haven't, uh, but if they just stick around, they open their mind a little bit they, and they just wait for that experience to happen. It's really amazing, isn't it? And it's, uh, but I, I mean, uh, I wanted to mention too that how important it was for you to get that pardon because it was, uh, your daughter, um, was mm-hmm. the reason why you wanted to, that pardon. And so, you know, being told that you would never be able to visit her down in the States, um, obviously was, was crushing. So that was a, a huge, huge, um, burden lifted. Uh, that must've felt amazing. It did. And it actually reaffirmed, uh, the law of attraction, which I refer to as the law of vibration, that everything is, is vibrating. Uh, thought is energy moving at an inconceivably high rate of vibration. So if you look at it from a, a metacognitive uh, level, um, you know, everything is, you know, it's, if I'm putting out, say, positive vibrations as, you know, good vibrations, usually you get good vibrations back. If you put out negative energy, what do you usually get back? Negative energy. So what I did is I actually wrote down on a card. I said, I am so happy and grateful to be allowed access back to the United States of America to see my daughter again. And on the back, I put world service, faith, love, give back, all these affirmations. And I read that card with so much emotion for almost two years. 
and I, I laminated this card and I had it in my, in my pocket, non, you know, non, I did, I wake up halfway in the middle of the night and I keep reading it and reading it. And it's a principle called autosuggestion. It's actually the medium for influencing the subconscious mind. So I actually played a legitimate trick on my mind because I believed that it was going to happen. Somehow the forces of say like infinite intelligence or the universal mind, uh, set up the, set up the stage where, you know, in that one moment of time, I was able to have, uh, you know, an opportunity come my way. And it just so happened that, uh, you know, the United States of America, uh, was, uh, strongly, uh, behind the organization that I that I rode my bike across Cambodia for at that time and you know when they got word I guess uh, they weren't so mad that Ryan uh, Ryan Phillips uh, smuggled 103 pounds of uh, uh, 103 pounds of pot across the imaginary line <laughs> so yeah. I should I shouldn't be laughing about it but because it's legal now and uh you know, there's so many benefits with cannabis, with CBD, and other properties that it entails. That uh, you know, I felt guilty for it for so many years. I resented myself for that decision, but uh, I can kind of make peace with it now. And, and I, I, you know, every I'm, I'm, I live in BC. I mean, every on every block there's a bloody dispensary. So it's uh, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. how that is, right? Yeah, so, I'm from BC. So I'm from Port Coquitlam. I, I've only been in Ontario for three years, so I'm BC born and raised. I. I I, I know, and I'm a, can, a frequent cannabis unit user, but I, I think at the same time, uh, yeah, it's great to be able to, to laugh those things off. You didn't hurt anybody. Um, there's no victims in, in your crime, really. Um, you can no, overdose never shot weed. a gun in yeah. my life. Yeah. Never put yeah. a hit on anybody's head. Uh, I know uh, people wanted to get me. I know people wanted to take my money, and I got scared. And I was just, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was the hockey player, happy-go-lucky, skateboarder, athletic dude that just, uh, you know, had a personality that met people, and that that was usually from the party. That was, you know, I, I'd meet those people at the parties. You know that they're, you know how it is. You know, mm-hmm. a, you, after a hockey game, you got your suit and your tie on, and uh, you know, mo- mo- most of our the teams are sponsored by Budweiser or. You know, uh, the, the liquor, you, you drink for free. You don't pay for alcohol when you're playing pro hockey. You just, it's, it's, it's a, it's free in the dressing room. And then usually at the, at the bar, you got people buying it for you. So it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, a lot of, a, a lot of, I would say not every time I drank something bad happened, but usually if something bad happens in my life, alcohol is involved. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I I believe it because or drug. Yeah, it's usually the same the same situation uh, for myself as well. And I mean, you've uh, been featured in a documentary called Weed King. For anybody that wants to know more about the story, um, it goes into great detail. Um, it's called about, the King of Weed. Oh, sorry, actually. the King of Weed. Sorry, it's, on, on here it's on National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, on 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 uh, on online it says Weed King, but I'm glad you you corrected me. So did it really? Yeah, the king. Well, on this one page, I found it, but uh, the King of Weed, National Geographic. Um, I've watched a bit of it. It's it's really cool. Um, they did a good job with it for sure. I haven't even watched it. What? <laughs> I lived it. And yeah. uh, I watched a little bit of it, and um, it, you know, it's uh, it's more and it's it's entertainment, right? And so for me to watch that actually kind of stirred up uh, some emotions I didn't really want to deal with. And there's part of my past, 
um, you know, I, I am in negotiations right now with uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime about doing, uh, you know, they, they were very interested in doing a life story series, um, you know, where there's going to be multiple years of, you know, the story of, uh, of my life. Um, I didn't realize I'd, I packed so much life experience in, in, in this amount of time, but, and, and people would actually be interested, but, uh, somehow I did. And, um, but it's definitely come with a price and, uh, you know, the price is a lot of pain, but at the same time through that pain, it's also given me, you know, the willingness to never, ever give up and to always use my voice as a, for a positive and, uh, to be there for people you know, first be there for yourself, you know, like you really got to be like, that's something that I've had to really, really learn is to love myself, you know, no matter what, through all our per- per- perfectly imperfect, per- whatever, perfectly imperfect, man, you know, like we're all good. And, you know, just to be able to accept me for me, for me, and, you know, I can't do anything good for anybody unless I'm, you know, I'm, unless I'm okay with myself. And so, um, I really try to prioritize my mental health and make that number one. And usually when I do that, um, you know, I, I believe we've been kind of (laughs) divinely created to be, to, to be these creatures that do, that will move forward positively if we just, you know, live our lives with intention and, uh, you know, and put purpose behind everything that we really, that we do. Yeah. And I think, you know, to be more mindful, that word gets tossed around a lot these days, but just to do mm-hmm. things with, with intention, positive intention, and just to, you know, not be so impulsive, uh, that's something yeah. that I'm trying to work on. It's been extremely difficult over my 32, almost 33 years here, but I mean, I'm really working on it, and I think, you know, everybody is just it's such a... I mean, you shouldn't say everybody, but it seems that everybody, and, and certainly myself, um, have lived in in a world of you know instant gratification, and um, it yeah. seems to be getting worse. With you know, you know, I get frustrated when the internet's too slow, and you know, I remember hearing, <laughs> you know, and someone picks up the phone and you get disconnected. It's like, you know what I mean? And now it's like, if I can't wait like a second, I'm like pissed or like i remember the very first song i downloaded was the thong song by cisco and it took me two weeks to download it. i'm not kidding you because it was dial up and it was like oh geez, like you must have been seven, seven kilobytes <laughs> a second and, and like i did you know tie up the phone line for the whole time like doing it overnight and everything it was crazy you know what i mean and and that was exciting now because you know we, we that's just you know humans we take things for granted and that goes back to what the hell does anybody really um, have to bitch about waking up in the morning when you open your eyes. It's like, wow, you're alive. And whatever's wrong in your life, you have the ability to fix it. I swear to God, nothing short of like disease and all that. But at the same time, even when you're suffering with disease, you have a, you have the ability to, to put yourself in a positive mindset. And even if it's a, a, a terminal illness, I've, I've seen people um, be able to, to, you know, sure it gets hard and maybe I don't really know how they're feeling deep down, but they're able to, you know, live longer, sometimes even beat the disease in some cases because of their mindset. Well, the mind is so powerful that the mind is not, it's been proven that the mind can can truly heal almost anything, you know, and body is a manifestation of mind. So, you know, if we're, if we're focusing mechanism, 
you know, being a, being a, you know human beings with you know the energy of our brain and and whatnot and the ability to think. If we can actually use our awareness and actually you know feel the healing taking place and actually see it and believe it, I always say act as though it were and let the unseen become seen. So if you act well and you know and if you act a certain way and you know it's, you kind of become that. So you become what you think about all day long, really. So, uh, you know, think well, uh, be well. Um, but at the same time, too, even with trauma and, and a lot of this, a lot of the concussion stuff, um, and I, I, I speak to a lot of experts, you know, sometimes we, not sometimes, I'd say for me, it's all the time, is that you got to feel it to heal it, you know? And, uh Never in my life did I ever think that I that I would have to go through this, and I I I, I'm, I don't want to victimize myself because I know that there's thousands upon thousands of people just like you and I, and God, do I have empathy for every single one of them and and their families because I know my family has been really really you know I'm sure your 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 family as well you know they've seen the the, the battle that you've you know had to. That you're that you're still that we still overcome. I mean, the, life is a challenge. It's a series of challenges, you know. And it's uh, I mean, at the end of the day, aren't we just trying to get through this life? It's kind of unscathed to the best of our abilities, and 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 through that, through the difficulties and the challenges, have some goddamn joy. Like really, I want joy for everybody. I want uh, maybe that's <laughs> I want everybody to be happy. If everybody's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm you know the same what I mean? Way. I, me and you are very much alike, and, and I'm also a Leo. I know your bir- birthday's in August the sixth. Uh, it's um, actually July eighth. Oh, it's a good it, one. What? Nice, sorry, nice, nice try. July eighth. Why is it on uh, uh, online? See, they don't have anything right on Elite Prospects. It says your date of birth is August eighth, nineteen seventy five. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually was I was off social media for two years complete, and uh, where I. Uh, and when I was going across Canada, my camera guy, he actually set up my Facebook page. And so I mean, I, I think he even put that I live in Toronto at one point. And, uh, they have so North Vancouver as your place of birth. So, well, that's, that's the truth. I was born in North Vancouver. Uh, but, uh, and, and I did live in Toronto for about close to four months after the ride. Um, we had a lot of work to do with the film and whatnot. So a lot of interviews with psychiatrists and people in the mental health field, um, you know, uh, yoga teachers too, and, uh, you know, anything surrounding mental health, the brain and whatnot and cognitive function. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, the ride was only one aspect of, of the film that's going to be coming out that uh, is, I, I, you know, I, which I'm kind of happy about because there, there's, you know, I would, I humbly say a little bit of inspiration with the guy going across the country, but you know, the real specialized knowledge comes through the, you know, a lot of the, the professionals that were interviewed along the way and, uh, and, and, and stories too, you know, uh, similar stories and, uh, Christ, uh, it hasn't been distributed yet. We might have to get yours on the, in, in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with a big with a big smile, and then yeah. with, with some of the money that we make for the film, we'll get you a whole new set of teeth. Well, and I'll get some too because so, I need I, I need at least two or three. Someone I'm had a good idea. Checklist. 
Someone had a good idea today. Said I should make a video and send it out to a bunch of new dentists. It's a good promo, and then I'll mention it on the podcast and going forward with the puck support and everything. And just you know, it might be a good thing for them to do. And it's not a terrible idea. I think it might work. Um, but again, I really think that the WHL should step up and do it. But um, before I let you go, I mean, I'm probably gonna have yeah. you. I'll probably have you on again. You know. Down the road. Yeah, I don't think we covered that much. No, uh, no. I mean, we're definitely. <laughs> There's have, a lot to cover, buddy. We'll have to definitely do it again for sure. But, um, you know, not ready to quite wrap it up yet. But I, I wanted to talk. You know, I just wanted to get your opinion for anybody that's listening, um, mm. because they they hear what you know my thoughts are, and and it's good to get other people's uh, thoughts as well, um, and, and hearing your opinion and giving your input. So. For people that are listening, um, you know, what was the experience like for you when you first reached out and you realized that you needed help and when you were diagnosed or, or that moment, um, you know, it could be scary. Were you scared? Um, and, and how far into the experience were you like, you know what, this was the right decision and I'm so grateful that I did this? Um, I th- in about in 2006, 2007 I started feeling a little off and um, I'd had uh, some short-term sobriety that I was I was like I should be feeling better than this like I'm sober now I'm not drinking I'm not doing drugs I'm going to I'm going to meetings I'm I'm even I got a sponsor who unfortunately committed suicide Um, and you know like I'm I'm trying to do these steps like I, I feel okay but shouldn't i feel better than this and then i started thinking about my like this sounds weird but i started thinking about my brain all the time and so like i'm sober but yet i'm my brain doesn't feel right there's something in there that is not working right it doesn't feel right you know like i I can read a book no problem in a day i can i can write but there's something in in my brain that just and i I, ct scans and all kinds of scans whatever and this, you're fine. This, this, oh, this, because they can't they, they, they can't detect uh, concussions until the until you, until you die, pretty much. You know, until until they take your, your brain out of your head. And uh, you know, I said, listen, I, I've I've had seven uh, diagnosed concussions, um, and you know, blah blah blah. And anyways, let's get back. I'm kind of getting off topic here. As far as reaching out for help, what happened with me is I was uh, I was in a relationship. Um, I was quite well off, uh, financially and, uh, in that relationship, uh, unfortunately lost, took, took massive losses financially, uh, which hit me real hard because now it was like, okay, now what do I do? Uh, I was, wasn't used to having a job, uh, a, a real job. Uh, I worked my ass off before hockey with paper roots groceries stuff uh working at a grocery store and drug stores and cutting lawns and lands out you know i worked my ass off i was a hard worker but um to ask for help um was me putting away my goddamn pride and actually thinking that if i don't feel right that means that there's probably a good chance that there's something that's not right going on and uh my dad took me to uh, see a psychiatrist, uh, and I was living in Miami at the time, and I flew home to go see the psychiatrist. And in 15 minutes, he told me that I had bipolar, and I, you know, I 
15 minutes, I hadn't even scratched the surface of my story. And, um, you know, I, you know, bipolar is closely akin to alcoholism as well. So, um, then I got more opinions and <laughs> you all right. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting all that, uh, the smoke on the lungs, eh? It's coming out, man. It's coming Atta out. boy. Nice. Um, yeah. So at the end of the day, um, uh, this psychiatrist actually ended up getting fired from his job. Um, a lot of negative stuff was said about him and I, I, it, it, it was, it, it was just a real shock. You know, I went in there and I get diagnosed with bipolar. I get a prescription for lithium and I got tears in my eyes and my dad's sitting there worried, sick. And I'm like, dad, I, apparently I guess I got, I got bipolar and that's like, that's what's wrong with me. And that's why I get anxiety. And that's why I have this or whatever. And that's what's wrong. And he's like, you sure about that? I'm like, I guess. And I actually, I went and I got the prescription filled, but I, I never took it. I never, I never took the, uh, any medication for, for bipolar until I, I was, uh, halfway across the country. I took, I took lithium for one month. Uh, uh, going across Canada because I thought that it, it would it might help and stabilize my, my mood, but um, it actually works in a very negative way against me, and it was bleeding through my skin. Um, the, the whole like it, it, it's a salt that comes from Bulgaria. It's like battery acid, and it, I, I actually had to visit seven hospitals going across the country. It was so bad, um, and then they gave me benzos. <laughs> then they're like, oh, we'll just take some clomazepam. You'll feel better. It'll ease you up. So try try taking a couple of clomazepam and and, uh, and riding 130 to 180 kilometers in a day and see and see how you feel, no doctor. No <laughs> Thanks, doc. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know, you yeah, know what I mean. That, and and they're highly are addictive. Benzos are terrible. Oh, they're horrible. Terrible. Have, have you had your run with those too? Oh, buddy, I, I'm not kidding, man. I was homeless on Hastings for eight months. There's not a drug I haven't done or injected. I'm not kidding. It's horrible. Oh, wow. I was bad, man. I was bad. Did two years in, in uh, between North Fraser and Fraser, and then I came out to Ontario. Did wow. a year in jail here. I, I've done like three and a bit years in the last five years in jail. It's uh, It's been a rough go. Uh, and all so we have a lot in common, then. So we much do. in common, I, bro. Like, wow. there's not even, you're not even, it's not even funny, and... and we didn't even all get into it, and I didn't even jump in and let you know how much we have in common. I was, uh, I'm trying not to cut my guests, guests up. My dad's like, you need to stop cutting people up, and I've come a long ways. I listened to a couple of the, uh, like, my old ones. I was so bad um, over the last, like, 15 years. Like, cutting guests up all the time? Oh, yeah, trying to jump in just because I'm like. <laughs> that's you know just I mean? your ADD. ADD. Don't worry about that. Yeah, that's man. right. That's my ADD, <laughs> right? And, and now I just got diagnosed with that the other day, so now I can do it. Did yeah. you really? Yeah, oh, yeah, I did. I swear to God. Like, I just, that's so they right. put they put you on any uh, medication? So, so yeah, I'm gonna go so, through this shit. yeah, so not yeah, so I, it's funny because I was actually gonna tell you now that I was sitting there because I I meant to bring this up because you were saying how you never took the medication. Well, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 18, um, when I was playing with the Swift Current Broncos, and I I took effects uh, or actually I got diagnosed when I was playing with the Express, um, and I took effects for like three days, never took it again, uh, and then when I was like 20. 
the Kelowna doctor gave it to me. I never took it. Then I went home. My doctor gave it to me. I never took it. Then I got it like three more times. Never took it. So I only took it like those three days. Um, and then when I went to the doctor, I was like, because I'm doing this stuff with the Pug Support Foundation, uh, I'm really trying. Um, and, and I'm going to amp it up a little bit with my exercise because that's a huge thing because I haven't done anything in years, really. Other than when I was in jail, I worked out a bit. But nothing that I like that I was used to. Like, even though I was lazy as a hockey player and I didn't train as much as I should have, I mean, I was still in good shape. You're not, you don't get to those levels being not in good shape. Like, it just from practicing every day, you get in good shape. You know what I mean? So Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, when, you're that, when you're that young and resilient. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I remember uh, my old man was, they, they give you the, uh, in the, the Rockets especially, they, they, they were so adamant about your, about your training programs in the summer. And I remember having this book. <laughs> to, to follow and, and my dad's like you got two months left till training camp like are you, come on you haven't even worked out once and I was like I'll, I'll start tomorrow and I three days before training You're filling camp, it I, in right I hadn't even ste- stepped on the ice three days before a WHL training camp oh, yeah. and like you know like that's most kids' dream is to play in the Western yeah. League. You know, I was that the same age, way, like, man. I was the same way. Me and you were so much like, and you know what? It's not that I didn't want to. It's that my mental health and I was just a disaster. Like, me um, too. It I was, I was, partying took yeah, priority. Yeah, exactly. Because it, hockey was my drug for a long, long time that gave me that escape that I needed. Um, from the sexual abuse that I took place and, yeah. and everything and, and other things. Um, but then when I found drugs and alcohol, it was like, wow, I don't have yeah. to go do any physical activity. I can just take this pill or, or inject this drug or take this drink and I feel amazing for that few seconds. After a while, it got to be horrible and it, it was just doing it to be normal for the, like the last 10 years. It was just crazy. My life was fucking crazy, man. The shit that I've done is fucking crazy. And just like, I mean, you could say the same thing, the shit you've seen in the lifestyle you live. It's just crazy. But you and I both skated out of it. And uh, now I feel the same way as you. I feel like I have... Like, I don't have a choice but to share my story, not for myself, but so that people can learn. Like I said, like you say, I say the same thing. Just one person. If one person, I yeah, one person, the hell I went through is worth it. That's the way I look at it. So um, I'm going to wrap this I, up. I find but, it like yeah, no, 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 go ahead. Of, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. I want to listen. I was going to say, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's almost a call to duty, man. You know, like in order to keep it, you got to give it back. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for for uh, for a guy like me and and you, uh, you know, for the trials and tribulations that we've gone through and been able to make it through and get to the other side, even if we're not a hundred percent today, it doesn't mean that like you know we can't wake up tomorrow and just make positive reinforcements. And that's a, I think a really strong message to people that are suffering too is that you know we get addicted to a certain pattern of thinking that we actually. <laughs> we actually get addicted to painful thinking. So, you know, the way to change is first making an intention. I need to change the way I think. I need to, like, everything that I'm doing, I call it the rule of opposite. Change change everything. If if, if your life is, like, that shitty and you're suffering that bad, that means you need to change probably almost everything. And start start with loving yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know it's a it's a good it's a great place to start because if you don't love yourself, you can't really do anything, right? So um, let's have let's have this conversation again soon. And, yeah, buddy. Uh, off the air, um, let's definitely talk um, more puck support, um, and uh, you know we'll get get you involved in that. 
Uh, looking forward to uh, building a friendship with you and, and definitely getting you involved because we have just an amazing group going. And again, we have like a, a chat going that we communicate uh, all day, every day. There's like maybe 10, 15 of us in this group that you know are all putting the puck support together, and it's just it's great. It's it's just one That's more wonderful. positive group. So uh, you know we'd love to uh, to have you a part of that and feel that you can certainly bring a lot to the table. Um, and I'll so, definitely I'll be out in Ontario uh, in August, so I'm gonna have to pop by Muskoka and knock on your door. Uh, don't worry, I won't think you nine door it. <laughs> man, you have a standing invitation um, anytime, man. Uh, Thanks, brother. I, I look forward to that, and uh, yeah, man, I can't wait to do this again. I really appreciate this. You better believe it. Okay, awesome. man. I love what you're doing, man, and uh, I'm always on your side for the people that are suffering, and even ones that are suffering. It's all about love, man. we got to just keep giving it. That's right, buddy. All right, Ryan. All right, man. Ciao. Thanks, man. Guys, that's uh, Ryan Phillips. Uh, huge thanks to Ryan. What a great conversation. I, yeah, Man, we need more time, and... There's no doubt in my mind that him and I are going to develop a great friendship. I can already tell you. Um, you know, I, I wish I would have had him in my life sooner, <laughs> just like a lot of these great people. But guess what? There's no sense um, even thinking that uh, because all I have is right now in this moment. And in this moment, shit, am I grateful <laughs> for so many things. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed what, what Ryan said, um, and I'm certainly actually 100% going to do what he did, um, writing that card uh, as if it already happened. Uh, I'm going to do that about my kids. Um, I haven't seen them in half a decade, and I was there... And I saw them almost every day till they were six and seven. Brooklyn and Brody, I love you guys and I miss you guys. And my life has been miserable without you. I miss you every second of the day. I love you so much. Um, I've been asked not to talk about them, and that's why I haven't been. Um, but I can't help it anymore. I'm going for a hair follicle drug test, and I'm going to just keep working hard. Because um, that's my ultimate goal, is, is getting them back in my life and sharing my new life with them and, and getting them out here and getting them on the ATV and, and getting them their own ATVs and, and fishing rods and, and or dirt bikes and, and just, you know, getting Brody out there on the frozen lake in the wintertime and playing hockey with them. Like, these are things I can't wait. And then introducing them to uh, Hadley and Lincoln and Taylor and uh, Taylor's family. And I know, listen, I, I can only tell you it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, painful for the kids, I know. But I really hope that at least one day they can see that, you know, I, I don't know, that I'm just, I was miserable every second that I wasn't with them. I love them so much more than anything in the world. Um, and on top of that, I'd really like to uh, meet my son that I've never met. Um, I can't use his name out of respect for his mom. And uh, she's been a, a great friend. Um, she shouldn't, she should actually hate me more than probably anyone in the world the way I treated her, but she's been, um, extremely supportive, so, um, it's really nice, and, um, guys, uh, continue to just try to do the next right thing, and, uh, it's not always easy, 
um, trying to work on my relationship with Taylor. Man, I, I'm so snappy in my anger, but guess what? Making a comeback. Maxwell Mustangs, what's up? Hopefully I'll be number 25 in your programs, number one in your hearts. And I got to start training ASAP. I'll keep you guys up to date with that. I'll keep you up to date with what's going on with my teeth. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. There's just no words. Um, I love it. I just love all the comments and the feedback. And, and I love waking up in the morning. I, my eyes open and I'm like, yes, I'm alive. I'm alive. And uh, every day is such a beautiful day and an opportunity to grow and to help people and uh, to love um, and connect with wonderful people. And uh, as I'd like to remind you, um, you know, I'm working for Verbero Hockey. If you have any team sales needs, please give me a chance. I'm so broke. I'm so broke. Um, but I won't be for long because I'm working my butt off and I'm going to continue to do so. Um, you know, making the right choices. Uh, life is all about choices. Uh, I'm going to leave you with uh, two things. Uh, first, I'm going to play uh, Damien Wint's um, bedside um, song that he's recorded. Um Damien has been a great friend uh, over the past few months, and we wish him a speedy recovery. So this is uh, Damien recording from bedside in the hospital in Virginia. Enjoy. Well, I said, I wonder where I wonder how. 